Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature contemporary figurative painter Duran Langberg. Born in Israel, he currently lives and works in New York City. He received his MFA from Yale University School of Art and holds a BFA from the University of Pennsylvania. He has participated in many residency and studio programs and is the recipient of the American Academy of Arts and Letters Award for Painting and the Elizabeth Green Shields Foundation Grant, among others. His work was shown at the LSU Museum, American Academy of Arts and Letters, Leslie Lohan Museum, the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts Museum, Victoria Miro Gallery, to name a few. In addition, Duran's work has been featured in several publications, which include Art Forum, Art in America, T Magazine, The Brooklyn Rail, Gay Letter, and many others. His work is in the collection of the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Art Museum, the RISD Museum, and the Rebel Museum. It gives me pleasure to introduce and feature Duran Langberg on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Thank you and enjoy. Duran, welcome to my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I am delighted to feature you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, me too. Me too. So, <laughs> um, tell us, uh, when did you discover your artistic passion? Um, it's funny, you know, I feel like I've been painting and drawing since I can remember. Um, and I think formally I started painting, uh, and oil and taking classes when I was about six years old. Um, so it really has been something that accompanied me throughout my life. And at this point is an extension of my body almost. Um, so I, I don't think I had like a moment of realization that that's my passion. It's just something that was ever present. It, were you influenced by other artists or other images that that you lived with or that you would see? Oh yeah, absolutely, definitely. I mean, I think that the kind of my first crush um, as an artist was Van Gogh, uh, and that was the first art book that I got, uh, or rather, my parents got me <laughs> when I was like ten. <laughs> um, and that, and I think to this day, he's one of my favorite painters, and and I kind of see. Um, that way of working, which really kind of speaks to both um, external reality, but also internal reality um, and creating a connection with a viewer um, that kind of affirms, um, you know, our shared humanity is something that is my goal as an artist. So I feel like Van Gogh has been there um, kind of as a role model in my mind. Um, and then obviously there's been so many people that kind of were added to my lexicon along the way, whether it's 
uh, Lucian Freud or a Victor Arica, both when I was kind of a young teenager in Israel, seeing major exhibitions by them. Um, Vuillard, Bonnard, Wolfgang Tillmans, uh, Kitai, Nicole Eisenman, Alice Neal. Um, there's really kind of an endless list. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. And are there concepts or thoughts that connect your work? Well, it's funny because I feel like with my work, um, I, I, I work with many different subject matters. Um, so I would have paintings of my family, paintings of my husband, uh, paintings um, of, you know, friends, queer couples, um, and then also more explicit paintings of um, either couples having sex or dick portraits. Uh, so I think there's a very wide, and most recently even flowers. Uh, so I think there's a very wide range of subjects that I work with. Um, but for me, I think the thing that really connects them um, is, again, kind of coming back to this idea of um, shared humanity, of something that experiences that we can all share um, relating to relationships, friendships, um, intimate situations that are part of all of our lives and kind of like make up the things that are most important to us. Um, so it's almost um, kind of creating this um, broad context for um, for my own experiences to exist in, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when you walk into your studio and you're looking at a blank canvas, what overcomes you? Oh, wow. Besides anxiety. <laughs> I mean, I, anxiety, I love, really? <laughs> well, I feel like I love the first the first go is always really exciting for me. Um, and that's kind of like the the peak of of my joy and my process where I have this idea. I am so into it and I have a sense of how I'm going to start. And and usually when I start working, um, it's with like huge brushes, really expressively, lots of color. Um, so I think there's a lot of movement and a lot of um, excitement kind of in this very, in this very first stage. Um, and then I think the process kind of um, slows down and I really need to think about, okay, like how am I going to bring the image out of this? Like, what am I keeping? What am I covering up? What other moves do I want to include? What is the mood of the work? Um, so it kind of goes from this very active um, expressive process to something that's like much more sublimated, much more analytical. Um, and you know, every painting has peaks and valleys and oftentimes it gets to be very low sometimes. And, um, I can get really caught up on certain things and frustrated and, um, when certain elements don't work, but then, you know, really the process is kind of getting in touch with that initial clarity, um, and trying to, and trying to put it all together. Which usually, luckily, it usually works, but it's definitely <laughs> touch and go sometimes. Well, I can't tell it's touch and go when I look at your paintings. They really that's can. good. That's and good. I, and, and I you. love the I love the variety uh, of of the paintings that you do. And when do the titles of your painting enter your the creative process? I feel like I always, I think of myself as a really bad titler, um, <laughs> so I try to keep it very straightforward. Like oftentimes. Um, it would be just the people, the name, the first names of the people themselves that I, that I paint. Um, and sometimes it would be a description like lovers or by the window. Um, and I think because they're so, um, again, kind of almost obvious, um, it's something that 
I, I know for the most part, even before I started the painting, um, that that would be, that that would be the title, but it's interesting for me to think about because I don't know, I don't think the title itself kind of alters any, any of, any of my decisions, um, in terms of the painting and what I want to get at. Um, but maybe because it is now that I'm thinking about it, it is, it is such an early part of the process. So maybe it does have something to do with, with what the final outcome is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed that it's lilies or the person's name, or if it's three people in the painting, it's three people's names. So, uh, I noticed that you keep the, the titles, um, Simple. Straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like also, I mean, for me, the paintings, like a lot of them are about my relationship with that person and kind of capturing their interiority and, and communicate who they are, um, which to me is really the power of portraiture when you're looking at a painting um, and it feels like a living person in front of you instead of um, an object. So I think that the name kind of symbolically carries that for me as well. That's what matters. Um, how has your practice changed over the years? Um, it actually, I, it's funny because I feel like on one hand, I just, when I was, uh, I was just home in Israel and I was going through some of my stuff and I found this um, old artist statement that I wrote when I was in high school. Um, Cause I was in this like art high school and we had to do like a final thesis um, and it could have basically been the same statement that I would write today. Um, you know, thinking about uh, queerness, thinking about um, intimacy, painting myself. Um, and so on one hand, I feel like that's something that's been very continuous in my work. But then on the other hand, formally, um, my work shifted a lot. Like when I was an undergrad, um, I basically stopped, stopped painting um, for two years and just made drawings. Um, and then when I got to Yale um, in grad school, my work was very graphic, very collage-like. Um, so it's only really towards the end of grad school that I came back to kind of the, the way that I um, approached oil painting um, before and kind of found my language within it. Uh, so I think, and even after that, like, I switched from working from photography to working from observation. Uh, so there's been a lot of formal shifts in my work, kind of searching for the right language to describe the concept that I want to work with. But the ideas kind of remain the same since I could remember. Did your creativity come to light when you were in Israel? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, uh, it was really actually an amazing trip. It was the first time that um, I was able to bring my painting supplies with me. Um, and because I worked from observation, um, it was just such a wealth of, um, I had such a wealth of subject matter, like my, my parents, my brother, my nieces and nephews, um, and also the landscape. We live, um, in Emek Israel, which is in the, which is essentially like a, a beautiful valley in the North, um, surrounded by mountains. Uh, and we live close to one of the mountains and, um, just painting where I used to hike uh, growing up, uh, painting all the spring flowers that, uh, kind of are taking over the, the landscape these days. It was really, to me, like a really meaningful, beautiful experience. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. How would you define your practice? Wow. Um, my elevator pitch. (laughs) (laughs) I make, uh, large scale, um, material and colorful, uh, figurative paintings that um, have to do with the people around me, 
my sexuality um, and my experiences and trying to externalize um, a certain internal um, reality through formal elements, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what do you enjoy most about being a visual artist? Um, I think freedom. I think any artist like seeks freedom. And that to me is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that being able to kind of, um, feel freedom within my own work and, and, and be free to, to paint what I want to paint and get up in the morning and go to studio. I mean, there's no, there's no greater privilege. So, um, definitely that's number one. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. Feeling free. So I'm not going to go off on that tangent, but um. <laughs> <laughs> I know very, very charged, very charged. Right. Well, right, I feel right. like it is. It is in contrast. I feel like in a way to you know, like being queer, for example, like that existing in the world in many ways, um, you're not as free. And so I think that um, kind of contemplating on the places where I do have absolute freedom and I do have absolute control and what I want those worlds to look like and feel like and and what I want the figures to feel like within those worlds, right? Like where they have freedom to be who they are fully um, without being kind of reduced by social categories in the world. So for sure, there, there, there's more to that than just getting up in the morning and going to studio. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, what would you say is the purpose of art? That is a, such a big question. <laughs> um, I think I, I'm kind of reminded of this um, Proust quote that I really love where, he's, where he says that the only way to be in someone else's shoes and, and see the world through someone else's perspective is through art. Um, and I really believe that, that, you know, for me, again, talking about someone like Van Gogh, for example, like going to the Met and, and seeing those paintings I feel like I am in his shoes. I see the world through his eyes. I'm experiencing what he experienced. And I think that um, that's such a powerful tool for empathy um, and for us to, to see the other fully uh, for who they are. Um, and to me, that's, that's what I get the most pleasure of and satisfaction when I see work is to kind of really get an insight into someone else's emotional world and reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, has COVID in, impacted your practice? Well, I feel like it's funny, like as a, as a painter, um, I, you know, basically kept going to studio because I work on my own and I, my routine and my everyday kind of stayed very much the same, thankfully. Um, but I think that what was impacted are all the things that inspire me. So if I'm, you know, making paintings of my friends hanging out or, kind of these social situations, then obviously there's no um, subject matter to be had or even like having people over to the studio or going to their place to paint them and make a portrait. Um, all those things became much more difficult. Um, so I had to go back to old subject matter and work from photographs and kind of change the way that I approach my, uh, my subject matter. Uh, but that but in a way like everything stayed the same and everything changed so it's kind of it's kind of hard it's hard to pinpoint and what does your workplace look and feel like my studio um yes. i i love my studio so much um it's it's i feel like i don't have a lot of things um i try to keep it pretty minimal so i have a lot of room for for painting 
Um, but the things that I do have are kind of messy. <laughs> so I feel like it's in between, it's in between kind of the state of like, like a minimalist inter- like minimalist austere studio, but also, um, like tons of rags on the floor and brushes everywhere and different paper palettes, like scattered next to paintings. Um, so to me, it feels productive. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for sure. So share with us, what are you excited about now? Uh, well, just this morning, um, the T magazine that I was featured with, uh, Salman Tour just came out. So that was really, really exciting to kind of, you know, open, open my Instagram this morning and see it. Um, also we were, we found out that we were, um, one of, one of eight covers. So that was, um, such a highlight. Um, and I'm so grateful to, to have been part of it. So definitely an exciting morning. <laughs> yeah, I know that before uh, uh, I reached out to you, I, I saw that I'm like, Oh, my God, what a great coincidence. But uh, uh, no, that's, uh, that's, that's fantastic. Um, but you have a show that you have a show coming up, right? Oh, yes, definitely. Thank you for mentioning it. Um, <laughs> I have a show opening September 2nd. Uh, at Victoria Miro Gallery in London. Um, and it's a solo show. And we started working together um, kind of over the summer, last summer. Um, and this will be our first major project, which will be in person. Um, and I've already, I've, when I was home, I was talking to my family about it. And like so many of them are going to come, um, which is really, you know, kind of shows in New York are so far for them. And, you know, with kids and everything, it's really hard to travel. So this will be for a lot of them kind of a first experience of being in one of my shows. So I'm, I'm just really, really thrilled and I've been working hard for months towards it. So definitely. That's great. Yeah. And what do you feel will be the new normal after we're all vaccinated and let's just say in 2022? Wow. Well, it's funny because being in Israel, it's kind of already there. You know what I mean? Like everyone in Israel is, is basically vaccinated. Um, you walk around Tel Aviv, like bars are open, restaurants are open. Um, so I think there is a sense of, of going back to, to how things were, quote unquote. But I think somehow, um, I don't know, I feel like in New York, I just, I, I can't imagine offices coming back and uh, in the same capacity or um, I think there's just like all the online platforms that have been developed, even in terms of the art world and fairs that are online and viewing rooms. Like, I think that's just going to continue to be, um, part of our experience of, of, of viewing art and, um, and showing work. Um, so I think that's just going to be kind of a combination, a combination of two. And, and, you know, maybe that would even improve the life quality for a lot of people that, you know, had a hard time getting to work or, required, um, childcare or, um, all these things. So hopefully the new normal would be a better one. Yes. Hopefully. I mean, I enjoy looking at art online, but it doesn't compare to seeing a painting, you know, it does not. No, it really doesn't. Um, Well, especially if you're like making paintings that are like, like 16 feet long or whatever. Um, and then having to, you know, like I post them on this like tiny square on Instagram (laughs) Um, and then when people see them in person, they're like, oh, I didn't realize they were so big. And I was like, oh, my God, they are so big. <laughs> like, I spent so much time trying to re- resolve these, like, huge paintings that that, that that would just be lost. It's such a tragedy. But I guess it's part of part of the way we experience art today. 
Yeah, yeah, it's all very interesting. Do, do, you, do you think about your audience uh, when you're creating work, and do you feel they understand your work? I think that's something that um, I'm kind of, I think about a lot, because in a way, the, my, my audience, early on at least, um, were other queer people. Um, and other painters. I feel like those are the people that responded the most to my work, responded to it, to it most, like, earliest. Um, and I think that there is, you know, like, the kind of feedback that I got um, that for a lot, of, um, a lot of queer people looking at my work, it seems like I'm able to represent something that feels real to them, that feels um, in touch with an experience that they're having. Um, and to me, that's, you know, such a, such a reassuring um, encouraging thing to, to hear. Um, and also simultaneously kind of getting the support of, of other painters that I admire. Like I have, you know, many friends that are to me, like the the best painters alive, um, and, and to have, um, and to have their support, um, and to feel like in terms of like the world of painting, um, I'm able to, to achieve things that, that, that they feel are, are worthwhile is also something that's really rewarding. Uh, so in a way, yeah, I feel like I feel like my audience or or the people that uh, seem to connect to my work uh, respond to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and hopefully it helps them feel more free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To to not question things. I've you know viewing your Instagram page, I see the paintings of the flowers, which are stunning, beautiful. What motivated you? What inspired that um, that interest in painting? flowers and moving away from the figurative well um it actually is is fairly recent i would say that um the first kind of time i've i've painted flowers um was in the last year or two um and it's funny because being home like i kind of ramaged through a lot of my old work and there was like tons and tons of flower paintings and i was like oh yeah i used to love to paint flowers (laughs) so i feel like it was kind of in the back of my mind for, you know, for all the, all this time. But, um, I think the thing that really prompted it is, um, actually sadly, right before COVID, um, my sister passed away from cancer. Um, and thank you. Um, and I made this large painting of, of my siblings and I, um, in this field of flowers when, and, um, it was kind of these red flowers that look like poppies that are very common in Israel. Um, and to me, somehow that kind of came to, to symbolize my, um, my grief, but also a sense of joy and renewal and beauty. Um, so I think that to me that it kind of suddenly there was a connection between, um, uh, something that's not figurative. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like, uh, a very basic human experience of like grief and sadness. And, and I think that that kind of opened the door for me to work with, um, to work with flowers, to work with landscape as kind of a metaphorical tool, you know, in the way that so many artists did, um, before. And, and I feel like for me right now, thinking about kind of these flower paintings, I don't really think of them as usualist as, as eulogies or, or as mourning pieces. I think I really think of them as, um, just kind of these representations of, of beauty and joy and, uh, transcendence in the world, um, kind of moments that take you like seeing, you know, like seeing like the bright colors, um, for me, it just bring me so much joy. And, and I feel take me out um of the moment that i'm in into a realm that's like a little bit more maybe both 
both transcendent and special. Um, and kind of similarly to, I don't know, seeing a rainbow. Um, it's like suddenly you're taken out of your reality and, and it becomes a really um, unique moment. And, and I think using that in painting, um, whether it's like a rainbow palette that I use a lot or depicting flowers, um, there's, there's a way of talking about um, just the, again, the transcendent power of, of painting and of beauty to, to kind of bring, bring things like joy and freedom into existence. And I tell you, my walls are crowded with art. And the reason is because I really appreciate the beauty and joy that paintings provide. And I really appreciate the work that that, that you painters offer. It's, uh, yeah, it's thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. This has been a great conversation. I love your upbeat energy. Um, thank you. So, so this is our last question, and um, that is, what do you feel is your role as an artist? Um, again, a very, very big question. Um, <laughs> I think it actually, it kind of it reminds me of another, another quote um, that that I really love and kind of come back to often. And it was inspiring to me when I read it for the first time uh, by Martha Graham. Um, and I'm going to butcher it, but she basically <laughs> talks about how as an artist, we each kind of have our own distinct voice and um, it's our duty to the world to express it. And in, in a way that's most um, clear and strong and unmediated um, and that it's not, you know, it's not our role to, to judge ourselves and to judge the quality of the work, um, or compare ourselves to other artists. It's really the only thing that we need to do is to kind of be as true to ourselves as possible. Um, and it really resonated with me because I think that artists could give so many different things to the world and have given so many different things to the world, um, and played so many different roles, um, that it really like, there's, I feel like trying to, you know, trying to control what it is that I can say or what I can give or, or to try to like criticize myself. And it's such an unproductive process. Whereas I feel like I, when I'm, I'm most happy with my work and I feel most at one with it when I just kind of listen to myself most fully. Um, so I think that that's, that's our role really is to just kind of be attentive, listen to the world, listen to ourselves um, and be as honest as possible with what um, we're putting out there. And that's kind of all we can give, really. Well, thank you so much for your contribution <laughs> to, <laughs> thank the, you. to the world. I hope, I hope it's meaningful. Who knows? Oh, yes. <laughs> that's not for me to decide. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is meaningful. Thank you so much for your time. It's a delight to, to feature you on my podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.